Hey, we're on again. We're back we again, are. and here you back. are, and here we are. Here you are, wherever you are, and here we are. Uh, we're in our offices in Missouri and South Carolina, respectively. Mm-hmm. Rogue table talking. Uh, That's right. Talking around the table in a rogue fashion, or talking about <laughs> talking around the rogue table? Is the table rogue? I was going to say, is the table rogue? rogue is the mm. talk rogue? Mm. That's a question. We're 65 in here, and we've never even addressed the question. Oh, back to the drawing wow. board. Scandal. <laughs> scandal. <laughs> scandal, scandal. Uh, I, I, am I passionate? Maybe, maybe I'm not passionate enough about that question. What do you think, Jeff? Because <laughs> that's what we're going to talk about. We want passion. Go. Passion. There you go. Uh, okay. So, first question: What are you passionate about? Um, and what does that question even mean? I mean we, <laughs> yeah. Right. We say it. We say some version of that a lot. Or people talk about it's my passion. It's really passionate about. I'm passionate about blah blah blah. Um. <laughs> And I don't know if we're super honest about that always, or there's sort of, it's a way to baptize something that's just saying, this is something I want. Right. Like I remember um, uh, Fred, I remember Fred Armiston, who, or Armiston, okay, I think it's Armiston, uh, who, you know, he's on Saturday Night Live, he's Portlandia, he's documentary mm-hmm. now, he's that guy. Yep. Uh, and they were talking, because I guess he started out as a musician um, originally. And there was some just, you know, what did you want to do? Like, when did you know you wanted to, you know, when did, and it's sort of like, when did you find your passion for comedy? And he said, I just wanted to be famous. <laughs> Which I thought, okay, that's the most honest answer I've ever heard to a question. It's like he didn't artistic it up or anything. It's right. like, whatever path, was it music? acting, comedy, whatever. I just wanted to be famous. I've always wanted to make people laugh, but mostly make a lot of money <laughs> when right. I do it. <laughs> right. Yeah, I want to make people laugh, but not anonymously and not for free. Yeah. If I can do something else and be famous, My I'll probably My passion really <laughs> is making people laugh and getting paid for it <laughs> and being famous. That's yes, kind of what I mean. That's the whole passion. Like, so what are you... Like, what are you passionate about? Well, sometimes and then how people do you know? say, like, well, I'm really passionate about, you know, I don't know, kids in other countries that don't eat enough food. And sometimes what they just really mean is, like, this makes me angry. Right. So I, like, I just I, some I can't emotion. handle this. I have right. a strong emotion around it. Uh, and, yeah, okay. And then I would say, but if you're not actually translating that into any movement towards alleviating that suffering, what is then, I'm not saying, okay, therefore you're not passionate about it, but what does it even mean that you are? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, right. Um, and that's sort of, I mean, we've talked about social media and, you know, all of that stuff, Twitter and, and I kind of feel there's a lot of passion or passion in quotes that then doesn't translate into any actually making the world better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it's a way of sort of, in a sense, baptizing our, our emotional response to something or making it sound more heroic when, and I'm not denigrating emotion, but it, and if that's all it is, okay, you can say you're passionate about it, but it doesn't mean anything. It doesn't go anywhere. 
Like, what does it do? What does it change? What action does it cause? Yeah, one way to question is how does your how does your passion actually translate, or what type of action does your passion translate into? Like, I'm yeah. passionate about being the you know most in shape forty year old dad I can be, but if I'm never you know working out or eating right or whatever, then am I really passionate about it? Yes. Or am I right. fooling myself into something? Right. 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 And that's it. That's, a, I mean, the whole fitness thing is a great example. So we are in a different, uh, we're in a different gym now than we were before. They are our old gym. Cause and gold is just completely closed, all the gold gyms in, in St. Louis uh, area. Uh, but we had already switched actually to okay. this edge, uh, because our membership was up and that's right. But because gold's closed, um, so the old golds that we used to be in was sort of an older facility it actually originally was a 24 hour fitness. There was a lot of older people there, uh, older than me even. Uh, and it felt just kind of more homey. Um, so now we're, it's more consolidated. And so we have a lot more of the beautiful people, fitness crowd working out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you would say in a, some sense, they're passionate about health. They're mm-hmm. passionate about, but there's also things intermingled with that that like I were, so I'm on the elliptical. This is just like two days ago. And I look over and there's this, this young couple, um, that have been working out, uh, at the, at the, at the edge fitness center. Uh, and they're just, I mean, their bodies are just perfect. Like mm-hmm. there's not an ounce of fat on either one of them. They're both just cut. They both mm-hmm. look like they could be Olympic athletes right mm-hmm, right uh and they're just i mean they've got i don't know how much money she spent on fitness clothing and the headphones and but it's just but obviously it, it all uh, yes yeah. oh yeah i mean right out of the catalog and and so there she is standing there and he's kind of standing there like this and she's in front of him and they're, they're like this is in the middle of the gym and she's taking a bunch of pictures of him and he's just kind of <laughs> posing with his ripped self out in front of everybody yeah and i thought okay well they're passionate probably about health and about fitness but they're passionate <laughs> about looking awesome <laughs> and having everyone notice that i look awesome <laughs> I suspect that's the real passion. There's right? a passion. <laughs> right. Yeah. And so that's sort of like, do you know, and this is a serious question now, do you know what you're passionate about? Mm-hmm. Like, how do you know what you're passionate about? Because we obviously, we're spring loaded to say that we're passionate about things that are heroic or altruistic or world changing. Like, you know, hungry kids mm-hmm. in sub-Saharan Africa. I mean, there's some reason I might say I'm passionate about that or want you to know that because it, it maybe reflects a certain way on me. But how do I know what I'm really passionate about? Or how do I know if I'm passionate about anything, actually? True question. What mm. do you think? Well, initial thoughts, I would say, um, just what do you do? What's your... You know, Annie Dillard, um, author, said mm-hmm. how we live our days is how we live our lives. So what's my day-to-day routine? Because my day-to-day routine is going to add up to 365 days. So it's going to be an annual routine. And that's prob- what I'm doing 
consistently is probably what I'm passionate about. Yes. Um, if I'm passionate about anything, actually an actual fact, it will translate into some sort of activity, yeah. regular, right? Activity, noticeable activity. And maybe if you think, well, I don't know, I get up, walk the dog, have a cup of coffee, you know, watch the news, see if it's going to rain, go to work, don't love my job, come home, watch Netflix, have dinner, have a beer. I think you just described 80% of Americans. Well, yeah. So then the next question is, are you really passionate about anything? Right? Like, well, <laughs> is it fair to say you're passionate about anything? Yeah, I think that's true. I think the other side of, of, of my point I just made to, to backtrack a little bit is you're familiar with the War of Art, the book, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like we may in fact have like, oh, you know, I'm a decent composer or a decent writer or a decent blah, blah, blah. And at some point in time, I would I think I could do that and I might have some passion towards it. But something gets in the way and it doesn't translate into actual activity like I don't right. make it a priority or I don't have the discipline to say this is first things, you know, something like that. So I think there's that gets thrown into the mix a little bit. Yeah, I think that's right. That's good. And so sometimes the passion is maybe so deep on the other side of the spectrum, there's at least one way of looking at it, that there's some level of fear of ever actually taking it up. Yeah. Like I, I'm passionate about, I feel like I could write, but I'm scared to write. So mm -hmm. I don't, I, mm -hmm. I'm sort of in this stuck place. So that's an interesting uh, thing as well. Okay. So let me, let me transition to, uh, you know, what brought all this to mind, um, is, uh, we're, you know, uh, we're going to look at the first part of the book of Nehemiah, where we're looking at Ezra, uh, the people returning to the land. This is also the people returning to the land, Ezra, uh, Ezra, Nezra, Ezra and Nehemiah overlap, uh, <laughs> in some sense. Uh, and they're similar stories, uh, except, uh, you know, Ezra obviously knew the king and, uh, you know, got the blessing to go back and and sort of reestablish God's the practice, the worship in the temple. Nehemiah, same way, he's cupbearer to the king, which is not just probably a, a menial thing. It's more of a, you know, it's a, it's a bigger deal than that. Um, and he finds out that he gets a report back from the remnant that... Uh, the wall is broken down and Jerusalem is sort of in disgrace. Uh, so it's Nehemiah 1, 1 through 4. The words of Nehemiah, son of Hekeliah, in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year, while I was in the citadel of Susa, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men. And I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and, and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. <clears throat> and so it's, it reminds me of the, I think we actually talked about it uh, last time with Ezra's reaction to the sins of the people after they returned, the mourning, the sackcloth, the ashes. Uh, and this is mourning for... God's people, for God's city, um, you know, that the mourning that things are not the way they should be for some time, enough that it's not, it's not a passing, it's more than a simple passing emotional response to some stimulus. It's, it's, it goes on for some, 
days. And then what happens, you know, we'll see is that eventually, like five months later, is he's mourning and fasting and praying for this whole time. Uh, the king notices he's downcast, asks him about it. He prays this pr quick prayer, you know, Lord help me. He, said, he tells the king why. And the king says, well, go back and, and, and rebuild. Um, and so that's, you know, one of the questions that, um, at what I thought of when, when looking at this passage is, uh, I think it's James K. A. Smith's book, you know, you are what you love. Mm -hmm. It kind of sprung the whole thing about, you know, what our passion really is, what we're passionate about, what do we really love, what I really care about. And the idea that I don't, if I am what I love instead of what I do, or instead of what I think, if I am what I love. I'm not always 100% aware of what, of, of what that is. And it's revealed by how I live my life and what I do. Uh, you know, my loves come out in some way. Uh, and it might be love of self-protection or love of safety or love of whatever that leads to sort of a small life. But that's actually what I, what I love. And here in Nehemiah, he's, you know, he's passionate about the... Uh, the promise of God, God's people being restored, similar to Ezra, you know, the temple being rebuilt, worship in the temple, God's people back to being God's people in God's land, land of promise with the law. Um, and he hears that it's in disarray and it's in disgrace and it's broken down. And he's that impacts him in such a, a heavy way that the passion becomes purposeful. And he actually upends his whole life to do something about it. Uh, and so, you know, the, one of the questions I have is, um, you know, it's a dramatic situation. Not, a, you know, we're not all going to be in that situation. But what am I, you know, what am I passionate enough that fits within the big God story that actually will change how I live my life you know, passion and purpose coming together. Mm -hmm. uh, and so kind of what is the relationship between passion and purpose? Are they the same thing? How are they related? I don't think they're the same thing per se, but sometimes we use the words interchangeably. I don't yeah, know, riff on that. Yeah, I don't quite think they're the same thing either. Um, I have a few riff notes, if you will. Um, one of them would be something like, I don't know that, people throughout time in different cultures and ages got to ask this question. Like the question that we tend to pose to people today, you know, you were, there's a, an assumption that you were made w to have a passion about something. And that something is going to be where you find your right. fulfillment. Right. And I does, I don't think that that everyone has been afforded that question. Um, so, so that's one thing that I don't know if that's a universal truth that we just kind of take for granted but it, it may not be. Um, the other thing could be, what about when there's an actual purpose that I'm not passionate about? Like, you know, feeding hungry kids or taking care of orphans and widows um, where there's injustice in America. Um, what if there's real genuine things that, you know, in the rhythms of the Bible talks about, Hey, here's things we as God's people should be passionate about. And these are actually big picture purposes, but I'm not passionate about it. Uh, I tend to think sometimes you find a purpose and you find something that 
you're going to get in step with God's uh, plan for, and it might become your passion. It might not, but there's, you know, I'm not always passionate about seeing people get to know God, but I probably should be, or at right. least that's a purpose that well, I, I like still it. need to act on. Right. I, that's right. I think that's totally right. I, I think your first point is pretty interesting in that it's almost a privileged position to say we have a passion or to ask the question about what my passion is. Because a lot of the world is, it would be, you know, eating. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> you're right. Having sustenance, feeding my children. Yeah. Surviving. Uh, shelter, water, clean water. I mean, just right. Surviving. Uh, and in that, you know, to find some bigger purpose. Uh, and I think that's uh, an interesting question in that maybe it shades what the whole, there's sort of a self-serving component to even sometimes the question. Passion, it, it must mean some sort of self-fulfillment. Right. That's, that's sort of what I mean. You know, underneath everything, it's some sort of self-actualization, self-fulfillment, self-something. Yeah. Uh, instead of a purpose is something outside of me. And, uh, you know, the difference between Nehemiah saying, man, I'm stuck here in this. It seems great, but I'm stuck here in this king's thing and I'm giving him wine. You know, I'm so sick of this. I need something better. I need something more, you know. And, uh, you know, yeah. instead yeah. of here I am in a, a position that I can recognize as being privileged and, but I find something out that's like, oh, that should not be. And it spurs me to action and I'm going to go. Right. It's not really about what people think of me as Nehemiah. It's about, well, the wall needs to be rebuilt and God's people's city needs to be not live in shame and so on. Yeah. Uh, and I think those things are, um, and I don't, I think there's a sense in which we can be performative. I mean, it's just, you know, sort of to recap or to summarize, we can be performative in our self-actualization uh, that, you know, I almost feel like some of the protests slash riots are that sort of, it's about making a statement about me instead of actually changing the world. Right. Uh, and maybe, I mean, obviously on an individual basis, that may be more or less true, but there's certainly a temptation because changing the world's hard. <laughs> Being seen as someone who cares about changing the world's a lot easier. Well, that's a really good point. Right? Yeah. Uh, you know, being seen as somebody who's concerned about Jerusalem and God's people is much easier than actually going, upending your whole life and leading a group back to try to rebuild the wall. That's a lot harder. And that's maybe another measure of, you know, maybe another question we could ask ourselves, am I doing anything? Am I involved in anything that's really hard? That's something I can't manage, right? There's something that I can't make happen. It's not my own skill and ability by itself and ingenuity. It's not enough. It's bigger than that. And I'm called into something that's bigger than that. Uh, do I have anything like that in my life? Yeah. And I think, sadly, for I think for most people, the answer is no. Right? And I think for, you know, often, I mean, there's been lots of periods in my life where the answer would have been no. Where you kind of get into an autopilot sort of, sort of mode. So I think that's, you know, kind of 
being challenged by the story in Nehemiah to what am I passionate about? Do I know? Uh, is it always the same thing? And does my passion match my purpose? And then what should my pur purpose be? Uh, and partly that's, you know, something we've been talking about. What should my purpose be? And how do I try to match up purpose and passion? Yeah, when I think of like, I mean, and and this is my own arbitrary definitions put onto these words for this conversation. We could you you could obviously interchange them differently, but when I think about purpose, um, it does feel like when you talk about purpose, it's going to be something outside of yourself, um, whether it's creating or environmental care or blah, blah, blah. Like it does feel like it's something bigger than you and beyond you. And I tend to think that the wisdom of uh, scriptures does talk about some sort of fulfillment, not perfect fulfillment while we're here east of Eden. But when you live for a purpose or with purpose, something bigger than yourself, you're probably more fulfilled than when you focus on, am I passionate about this? Which basically just means, how does this make me feel? Like I feel yep. really excited about it. Well, you're not yeah. always going to feel really excited about right. it, whatever right. it is, whatever it is. That's right. So I don't know. That's tend to, I, I know those are, I, I put those definitions on there, but it, it could be that passion, how we evaluate it um, can be unhelpful. It's just, well, do I like this or not? Um, but I'm, I'm just even thinking of like mother Teresa of someone who served and gave her life with a massive purpose. I'm, I'm just imagining there's days she woke up and just, you just yeah, do the sucks. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was, yeah. I, I'm sure Nehemiah felt the same way. I'm sure, uh, you know, you see it in the words of Jesus from time to time. It's like to the disciples, Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, are we having this conversation again? Uh, and I think that's the, that's kind of where if, 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 if it's not connected to purpose in a way that leads to action, it's a different sort of passion. Mm -hmm. Like that's the real passion, I think. Uh, and I think, um, whoop. are you still there? I'm here. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Oop. Flipped out there for a second. <laughs> um, that, and, and I think this is more than just an esoteric conversation because I think part of what the church, any church exists to do is help people find a passion and purpose and then put that into action, help people find a passion and purpose within the big God story mm -hmm. of the redemption of all things, the restoration of all things. So, you know, you look on your community and you see homeless people, you look in your community and you see people who are hungry, you know, you look on the world and you see people suffering, you know, you see orphans in, uh, you know, uh, Honduras or, uh, or, you know, uh, a, uh, AIDS impacted, uh, kids in sub-Saharan Africa. And you either, you give you pray, you go, you engage in some way. And so one of the things that the church does is to help put hands and feet to a biblically inspired passion uh, and to, you know, give a channel for that, give training mm -hmm. for that, give equipping yeah. for that, to give right. direction for that. But instead of it's, it's, it, 
it's not good enough just to leave it there with this feeling, okay, let's live out this God story in such a way that, that, that involves action. And some of those things are just things that are, uh, you know, I'm passionate about, you know, strong families. Well, that might you know, mean I'm going to serve in the nursery, which, and, you know, it's going to be thankless, <laughs> you know, nobody's going to write them out getting paid. No one's going to call me, you know, a hero. Uh, but I'm doing it because of something bigger and beyond myself. Uh, I'm part of the body of Christ for the body of Christ, for the purposes of God. That sort of compares directly to Nehemiah hears about it. And that's like, that shouldn't be for God's sake, for God's people's sake, for the story's sake, for the promise sake. I need to be a part of, of changing that. And so I think that's partly one thing that I, I think one of the reasons the church exists, a main reason why the church exists, I think, is for that purpose, for that purpose. Yeah. Right. So you agree with that? And then. Yeah. Yeah, you think I, people think of it that way? Um, I don't know if, I don't know. I don't know. Let me just speak from a leader, insider point of view of leadership in the church. I don't know that we always think about it that way. Um, it's easy to become, I don't know, my, the word myopic comes to mind, but I don't know if that's the right word here. So um, focused on, do we have enough people coming? Are they giving right. enough? Right. Um, right. how do we get more people and maybe like five layers behind that it's, it was originally, I want to see people come to know God, um, giving as a part of worship, you see, but it's easy to get down to the bottom line and say, well, um, this is what has to happen. And then you lose that sense of what you're talking about. Okay. My goal to help people is, one of the goals is to help them know who they are in Christ and find that sense of purpose and get on that, get on that road. And, mm -hmm. or we as a church get on that road, whatever that mm -hmm. niche in the community is. Right. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that's right. I think that's a good way of saying we sometimes baptize just stuff we want or stuff we're worried about or anxious about and call it purpose when yes, having a certain number of people having a certain amount of money, at least in the North American church is, is sort of necessary for doing some of the things we're talking about, but then it's not sufficient and it's easy to, to confuse the means with the ends. Right. Uh, and partly because one of them's harder to measure than the other. It's easy to count people and money. Uh, and then it's easy then to slip into the measure of your missional purposeful success as a church is people and money. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, I think you're right. It's easy to slip into that. Of course, that's not, I mean, if that's the case, Joel Osteen has, you know, as I've said, the most successful church in America. Yeah. Uh, I mean, not to throw shade on. Oh, <laughs> Mr. Joel. Yeah. Well, all right. It is probably <laughs> to throw some shade. A little bit of shade. A little bit of shade. Um, and so, but it's not like you have to apologize. I mean, these big churches have to apologize for being big or churches with money have to apologize it's just the point of that is then to engage, to engage in the story, to understand the story, to help people understand their place in the story, to help people grow in Christ likeness, to impact the community, uh, to strengthen the family, to you know alleviate suffering in the world. All of these things are the, the reason and all of that reflects on 
right? You know, God's image in the world, restoring God's image in the world, restoring God's purpose and plan uh, for people and um, sort of being his representative on, on, on the planet. And so that's maybe a question as we get close to the end here to like, do I, how do I think of church? Is that how I think of church? Is that how I think of the Bible? God, right? That yeah. it's, you know, because I've heard, I mean, I've had people say, I'm just not passionate about the Bible. Like, what does that mean? I mean, what are you saying? I mean, it doesn't, ple- the transaction doesn't please me. Is mm-hmm. some, some measure of what sometimes people mean by that is that the transaction doesn't please me. When, I mean, obviously, Nehemiah is not pleased by the transaction of finding out the news of what's happening in Jerusalem, but that's, the point isn't that at all. The point is, how do I live out God's story in my life? The church, the Bible, worship, all sort of exist for purposes outside of me. Yeah. And it's only in that that I actually find a real purpose and a real passion. Like if I'm trying to find it for me, I'll never find it. But if I'm looking in this bigger story for God's sake, for the kingdom's sake, for his creation's sake, that's the only way I'm going to find it anyway, right? Yeah, I just I just wonder if there's probably not three to four or five more helpful questions than I, I think what am I passionate about? It's not a bad question, but if, even I'm thinking about like what the next generation tends to, to the grid that we've given them to think through. And it's something like, you know, you should be able to be passionate about what you do, make a lot of money, um, and then have the free time and that what you want to do your vacations and all that other stuff. And I just wonder if sometimes that question in this culture is setting people up for so much frustration or setting people up for a kind of a world view shattering, which may not be a bad thing, but I think of my kids and I'm like, they don't do something if they don't feel like doing it. And I don't know if if that question translated to them is a good question. Right. Like, hey, maybe what what bent do you have? What do you think you could offer to the world that's unique? Yeah. Like, how do you see what are like, how do you see giving yourself or your gifts to the world in a way that makes a difference? I just feel like there's maybe some yep. questions that are around purpose yep. and then that right. would fuel passion. But yeah, I don't I know. Think that's right. I think that's right. I think that says, you know, kind of what I was trying to say in a, in a, smaller package is that if we're focusing on, Hey, I got to find my passion, you know, and there's that, you know, you've heard it, you know, if you find your passion, if your job is your passion, you'll never really work. It'll never feel like work. Okay. That's, that's ridiculous. Um, it's sometimes going to feel like work. It should sometimes feel like work, uh, but that's probably a false construct. And even people feel this pressure to say, I, that's me instead of, I find my purpose and forget passion for a moment, but what's purpose and why did God, in other words, this notion that God put me on this earth for a reason Mm -hmm. or for some set of reasons. And as I work towards that, for that sake of what God wants done in me and in the world as part of this big story uh, with my destiny in mind, then passion comes out of that. Like passion follows purpose. Yeah. It doesn't lead you to purpose. 
because why would you have passion if it wasn't, if it wasn't connected to purpose? And so I think that's right. And this, it's, you know, how do, do I approach church, life, work, relationships with what does God want for me, in me, through me, for the other person, for his creation? You know, in other words, why did he put me here? The sense that he did put me here for a reason yep. that is purposeful. Uh, and what is that? And as I move towards that, then passion follows in a general sense. Like you're not always going to feel awesome about it. Yeah. Uh, I just think that's, you I mean, because if you, if you, you know, if your work is your passion and so it never feels like work, I mean, I do feel like there's, and we've all worked with people who are like, basically they're complaining about their work and it comes down to, I don't like this part of my job on the way to trying to say, well, therefore I shouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. We should mm-hmm. find somebody who's passionate about this and unleash them. Okay. Well, you're changing diapers. So <laughs> probably there isn't a lot of people who are passionate about changing diapers. And if they're passionate about it, well, I don't know, I'm not sure we want them to do it. Uh, but it's, it's got to be done. It's purposeful. So not everything that's purposeful is going to feel super awesome. Like I said, it, it, it's like the Fred Armisen thing, you know, I just wanted to be famous and that's okay to realize and say, but sometimes it's, I'm just fulfilling my purpose. Yeah. It's hard and difficult, thankless, anonymous. Uh, but, you know, in living out this purpose in God's plan, uh, I know that I'm having a life of meaning and the passion will come in some sense out of that. Not in every moment. Uh, like, like you said, we get the passion and the purpose in the wrong order. Mm-hmm. And we think, and I just think there's a, a lot of pressure on people, especially younger people. Man, you got to find your passion. What are you passionate about? As if there's a, a completely blank slate and you're not a person of meaning with purpose in the world with, you know, like I'm here in these relationships, in this construct, in this church, in this family for reasons that are bigger than me and in finding those purpose passion follows yeah uh and i think that's a much more healthy construct in a way forward um so yes well said uh and i guess that's so that's our challenge is basically what am i passionate about and how how do i know and what's translating into action and does it match my purpose and the bigger question then is why am I here? What's my purpose? What does God want from me? Not in a huge cosmic sense, but in an everyday sense. Um, so, all right. I, I, I took your encapsulated thought and riffed on it That's even good. longer. No, but we're going to end it there. We're going to, you know, before the internet can crash again, uh, we will, uh, we'll, we'll bring this to a close uh, with an encouragement and a challenge. Um, encouragement is you have a purpose. Uh, God's put here for a reason and reasons uh, that uh, are part of a big story and and that's encouragement and the challenge is find it you know uh, find it begin to live it out begin to search for it uh, begin to have that translate probably through your family through your church your relationships uh, and your passion will likely spring from that so with that encouragement and challenge We're going to sign off for this week. Grace and peace.
Thanks for listening to Rogue Table Talks, a Calvary Church Media Productions podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts.